Information, please. Presented each week at this time by Canada Dry, famous the world over for its fine beverages. (laughs) Wake up, America. Time to stump the experts. Information, please, gives the public a chance to turn the tables on the authorities. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. But we're always willing to try to answer any stickers. You send us questions on any subjects with the correct answers. You may submit from one to three original questions per letter. If your question is used, you receive $5 and $10 additional if it stumps the board. So you may win $15 in all. Don't get bothered if our editorial staff changes or edits your questions slightly. All questions become the property of information, please. Letters with questions are to be addressed to Canada Dry, 1 Pershing Square, New York. And now... Here's our Master of Ceremonies, Mr. Clifton Fadiman, literary critic of the New Yorker magazine. Mr. Fadiman. Thank you, Mr. Cross. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we ask you again to remember that these questions come to this learned quartet as what that coiner of phrases, Franklin C. Adams, would call a bolt from the blue. This program is unprepared, unrehearsed, and uninhibited. Tonight... It is in the safe hands of the famous Franklin C. Adams, columnist of the New York Post, John Kieran, who will argue with me, usually with considerable success, about anything from hockey to hymenoptera. Look it up, Mr. Kieran. The, uh, right, the uh, irrepressible Oscar Levant, composer and pianist, and as our guest of honor, returning to information, please, by special request, the inimitable raconteur and literateur, Alexander Wolcott. And now, gentlemen, remember to raise your hands if you know the answer, or think you do. And if you miss an answer, Canada Dry rings up $10 on the cash register. And that $10 goes out to the lucky question. Now, before I begin with our program proper, I'm going to ask you four gentlemen whether any of you have read Mr. Walter Winchell's column today. No, they are all shaking their heads in the negative. They have not read it. Well, I've read it, and I've clipped the following from it. Mr. Winchell says, We are too busy covering plays, doing columns, broadcasts, and keeping stock club chairs warm to accept the invitation of Clifton Fadiman to guest it on his Information Please program. But one of these Tuesday eves, we intend accepting. We'd be glad to have you, Mr. Winchell. And when we do, we'd like to stump Mr. Wise Guy Fadiman for a change, by golly. And also dare FPA, Oscar Levant, John Kieran, and all those other dummies. I hope you got that, Mr. Adams. to identify the following people. And then Mr. Winchell names seven people. And I'm going to see whether you can uh, resist this challenge, whether you can overcome Mr. Winchell, or whether the information, please, will go down to defeat before him. I'm going to name these seven names, and let's see how many of them we can identify among us. Are we ready? The first is Simon Newcomb, N-E-W-C-O-M-B. Mr. Curran. Simon Newcomb, I believe... Uh, was an astronomer. That's perfectly correct. He's a head, he was head of the uh, Naval Academy Observatory, and he wrote a book which I have home on his shelf. Thank you very much. <laughs> How do you like that, Mr. Winston? Uh, Mr. Adams. And uh, he's uh, up on New York University. Yes, he's up on New York University in uh, the Hall of Fame. That's quite right. Now, what can you do with Joseph Henry? Joseph Henry. Sounds like the goalkeeper for a hockey team. <laughs> it does, but isn't quite. We know uh, not Joseph. Joseph Henry, uh, Mr. Wilcott, any We know idea? not Joseph. Uh, an American physicist. Aza Gray. Aza Gray. Mr. Kieran. 
He uh, is the uh, most famous of uh, American botanists. He laid the uh, groundwork for uh, all our botany uh, uh, books that have since been printed in this country. He devised the system. That's quite correct. Thank you very much. That's two out of three. Mariah Mitchell. Mariah Mitchell. Or perhaps Maria Mitchell. I'm not sure. Not Gone with the Wind, Mitchell. No, no, not, no. It's the other one. Any ideas on that one? She's up on New York University, too. Quite right. Stick to that, Mr. Adams. You've got something there. She's up on New York University in the Hall of Fame, and she's an American astronomer. Joseph Story. Judge. Joseph Story was an American jurist. Thank you very much, Mr. Wilcott. I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, let me see. The other is uh, James Kent. James Kent. Uh, Mr. Kieran? Well, uh, there's a Kent who is a great lawyer. That's right. And Don't he wrote... Any further. Please have quite correct. Great American jurist. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Kieran. And finally, Mary Lyon. Mary Lyon, L-Y-O-N. Leonard Lyon's wife. No, not quite. Uh, Want to guess on that one, Mr. Adams? That's no, tough. Never heard of it. He was a famous American educator, founder of Mount Holyoke College. Now, I think that's doing pretty well. We got five out of seven, despite uh, Mr. Winchell's confidence that we wouldn't get them. And all of those seven names are bound together by what single fact, would you say? Mr. The Hall Adams? of Fame. They're all in the Hall of Fame, Mr. Wilcott. Thank you very much. I think Information Please has retrieved its reputation if it had ever lost it. And now we'll get on to the first regular question coming from, coming from Mrs. L.A. Grant of Merrifield, Minnesota. All of you gentlemen play poker. I know that Mr. Adams and Mr. Wilcott are old poker hands. I used to. You used to, Mr. Wilcott. I know Mr. Adams used to be a member of the famous Thanatopsis Literary Sporting Oyster and Clam Bake Association. Isn't that true, Adams? I'm going to ask you gentlemen to uh, make up a full house in poker out of Mother Goose. A full house, of course, consists of a hand of three of one kind and two of another. Quoting from five nursery rhymes that mention the name of cards, make up a full house. That's three and two. Well, can you, uh, count, Mr. The can you count the jack of the knave of hearts as one? Uh, or do yes. I have to have two knaves? Uh, let's have the line of horses uh, from Mother Goose. The knave of hearts he stole some time. Yes. The knave of hearts is perfectly right. That would do as a jack. That's uh, one. Uh, Mr. Curran. I'll give him a jack to go with it. Let's have a jack, jack to go with it. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. All right, that's two jacks. Uh, Mr. Adams. Jack, be nimble. Jack, jack be, be nimble. Quick. Jack, be quick. That's three jacks. All right, now we've got to, uh, unless you want to have four <laughs> of a kind, wouldn't do too well. How about Mr. Wilcox? Well, the Queen was in the All right. ca- counting house, counting up. Uh, the Queen was in there uh, doing some parlor. Parlor, yes. Queens are in parlor. <laughs> Uh, I believe eating bread and honey, wasn't it? Doing something to bread and honey. Yes, I think eating it. Now, that gives us the queen. There's three jacks and one queen, Mr. Curran. The queen of hearts, she baked some tarts. Uh, yes, that's all right. Pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been to London to visit the queen. Would be another one. That gives us three and two. Full house made up very easily by this quartet. Now, let's see what we can do with the next question. From Mr. M. Keisker of Memphis, Tennessee. What was each of the following characters or persons looking for? There are five of them. I'm going to ask you to get four out of five. One, what was the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland looking for? Mr. His gloves. I beg pardon? His gloves. Uh, Yes, that is half of the question. Gloves and sticks. Uh, Not quite a stick. Very near a stick, though. Umbrella? Mm, Well, no. Something uh, not quite between a stick or an umbrella. What is a walking stick cane? Uh, no, a fan. A oh, fan. Good. 
That's half right. If that's near a stick, I suppose. Uh, a pair of white kid gloves and a fan. I was trying to get you near yes. it, Mr. Wilcox. To Henry M. Stanley. What was Henry M. Stanley looking for? Mr. Adam. Darkest Africa. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I wouldn't think that would be quite right. Uh, Mr. Kieran. Dr. Livingston, yes. I presume. Dr. Livingston. That's quite right. <laughs> Blondell. Blondell. B-L-O-N-D-E-L. Uh, Mr. Kieran. King Richard Coeur d'Alion. Yes. Uh, who was Blondell? He was the uh, troubadour of Richard Coeur d'Alion, and he uh, went to find him in a castle where he was imprisoned in France. So we played the harp until he got an answer from up above, and he said, there he is. That's very good, Mr. Chairman. Thanks a lot. Uh, for Captain Robert Falcon Scott. Mr. Adams. The South Pole. Yes, he was looking for the South Pole, and did he find it? I don't remember. Uh, Mr. Kieran, do you yes, remember? Yes, he did. He was, uh, he, he lost his life with his, uh, two companions, I think, were still with him on his way back. Yes, that's right. He did discover the South Pole, though it was some weeks, I think, after Amundsen had discovered it. And there's a famous diary of Captain Scott, which gives an account of his sufferings. Uh, five and last, the organist. What was the organist looking for? Mr. Wilcox. The lost chord. The lost chord is quite correct. Uh, that's four out of five. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Now, what can you do with this? This comes from you, Rochelle, from Miss Ruth Pollock. Miss Pollock wants you to give four song titles that might serve as appropriate remarks when the bill collector comes around. Take or take those bills away would not be acceptable. Mr. Levant. You go your way, I'll go my way, River. Stay away Thank you very much, Mr. Levant. That's what well, I think that would do very well. Uh, Mr. Curran. I can't give you anything but love. <laughs> that might do. That's two. Uh, Mr. Wilcox. Rufus Rastus Johnson Brown. What are you going to do when the rent comes out? That's a good one. Three. Uh, Mr. Adams. Please go away and let me sleep. <laughs> Is that a song? Yes, oh, sir. A good right. song. I wouldn't know. That's four. We have four. Let's have another one, Mr. Levant. Annie doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> very well. Thank you very much, Mr. Levant. We're not doing very well at sticking the boys this evening, I must say. Uh, Mr. Wilcott, you're more or less of an authority on horrors, aren't you? Bleak House. <laughs> yes, I remember Bleak House, but on horrors also. Here, I'll see if I can't try out a few horrors for you and your colleagues this evening. Marie Royal of Maywood, New Jersey, wants you to identify by its appearance and typical activity each of the following supernatural creatures. There are three of them, and we have to get three out of three. What's a banshee? Mr. Kieran. It's an Irish ghost that is always wailing in the dark and is never seen. Yes, when does it do it? When does she do her wailing? When does she do? Well, uh, any time that there are people gathered indoors at night that she likes to annoy. No, uh, she does her wailing at a special time. Eve of death, isn't it? Eve Eve of death. Yes, on the eve of death, to announce that someone in that particular house is going to die. And uh, they're, they're uh, highly restricted, these banshees. Only certain Irish families have them. The others can't Only the best. Yes, I believe only the very best. Yes. That's all there are. And only... Uh, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Karen. <laughs> and only uh, the kinfolk of the person who is about to die can hear the banshee. She or it. I'm hearing one right now. <laughs> you think I'm a banshee? <laughs> Uh, two. Uh, gin or genie? 
Uh, Mr. Wilcox. Well, it's a spirit, a confined spirit to be summoned as a servant. Yes. Can emerge as a smoke. Yes. Usually come out of a bottle. Out of a bottle. Yes. If it's a good spirit, it comes out of a bottle of Canada Dry. <laughs> uh, they're uh, uh, peculiar to what country, Mr. Wilcox, would you say? Um, Arabia. Arabia, yes. We find them in the Arabian Nights. Uh, the most famous gin or ginny uh, is what one? The most what? famous one in literature. Aladdin. Yes, Aladdin. Aladdin. From Aladdin's story, Aladdin and the Wonderful Land. That's quite <clears> right. <throat> a werewolf. A werewolf. Oh, Mr. Wilcott, the expert on horrors, here again. <laughs> well, a werewolf is a vampire, uh, a practitioner of lycanthropy. That's a nice long word. Would you like to uh, let us know what lycanthropy is? It uh, is, uh, can be warded off by the use of wolfbane or garlic, as it's more commonly called. Well, and what... It, uh, uh, you haven't told us just what these werewolves blood do. Bloodsuckers. Yes. Uh, what are, do they do anything else besides suck blood? After all, that's rather boring activity. Well, I, I think that that's their favorite drink. It is their favorite, yes, <laughs> it is their favorite drink. <laughs> they, uh, I think they, they just devour people generally, too, don't they? I mean, when they're tired of the blood? Yes. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> Some people believe them, that, uh, believe them to be sorcerers endowed with the spirit of the devil. Cute kids, werewolves. They are. They're awfully nice. That's three out of three. Uh, Mr. E.S. Goldstein of Cleveland, Ohio, asks you to give five common phrases in which parts of a tree are mentioned. For example, to branch out would be one. Hope I didn't take that out of your mouth, Mr. Kieran. No. Uh, Mr. Levant. Uh, don't make a sap out of me. Don't make a sap out of me. Very nice. Uh, Mr. Adams is next. Stump the expert. <laughs> ah, very apt. Mr. Wilcott. His bark is worse than his bite. Very good, Mr. Wilcott. Thank you. Uh, three, uh, Mr. Uh, Kieran. Let's get at the root of all this. Very good. That's four. Uh, Mr. Levant. She leaves me cold. I'm afraid uh, the next one is uh, asked of Mr. Levant and Mr. Levant only. Uh, you three gentlemen can take a rest if you don't can mind. Can I take a smoke? No, no smoking. Uh, Mr. A. Bixby of Los Angeles wants Mr. Levant and Mr. Levant only to furnish appropriate background music for the following scenes in an old-time Western thriller. <laughs> don't smoke. Just hold it in your mouth and look tough. Now, I'm going to have you three experts who remain here to <coughs> judge of the soundness of Mr. Levant's composition. Mr. Levant, I'm going to ask you to begin our story by uh, giving us an idea of how the covered wagon sets out, hopefully. Is that Vienna? <laughs> Let's have another note or two. Covered wagon. Yes, the covered wagon sets out, hopefully. Pony boy, pony boy. Very good. You needn't sing unless you wish. Uh, very good. Second episode, Scout Returns to Warn of Approaching Indians. Is that all right, gentlemen? Mr. Adams, you don't seem to like it. All right, let's have the third episode. The Indians close in, sneaking up behind the bushes. Sounds like the Cleveland Indians. That's right, that's the way they do it. That's right, I remember that. And now, and now, Mr. Levant, the battle. Indian Maybe you battle. just gave us the battle. It's an Indian battle. Let's have a little more battle. Now, that's more like it. 
Now comes the hard part, Mr. Levant. The approach of the rescue party and victory. <laughs> and now can you end it up for us, Mr. Levant, by showing us how the covered wagon moves on amidst general rejoicing. This is the end of the sixth reel. How does old Susanna go? Don't ask me. Give me a cup. That is That is old Susanna. Yeah, well, that's all right. I'll take it. If you make it sound a little bit more like rejoicing. Very good. Well, we know where to find you if you should ever be lacking a job, Mr. Van. Thank you very much. Now, so far, Canada Dry announces a loss of exactly nothing. I hope in the latter half of the program I'll be able to get these experts down a bit. Now suppose we give these toiling brains a brief rest and listen to another expert, our Canada Dry Authority, Mr. Milton Cross. Thank you, Mr. Fadiman. But before you leave the microphone, I'd like you to identify a quotation for me. You will. <laughs> I can tell you in advance, Mr. Cross, it's from Shakespeare. It's bound to be from Shakespeare. <laughs> Correct. The quotation is from Macbeth. It reads, Be bright and jovial among your guests tonight. And that's a bit of advice I'd like to borrow from the Bard of Avon and pass along to our listeners. For one of the surest ways to achieve brightness and joviality when you're giving a party is to have on hand a goodly supply of sparkling Canada dry water. For this fine club soda guarantees your favorite drink a long, active career. Now, there's a very good reason for this lasting liveliness of sparkling Canada dry water. Millions of smaller bubbles made possible by Canada Dry's own process, pinpoint carbonation. Tests prove that pinpoint carbonation gives Canada Dry water life and sparkle for 24 hours after the bottle has been opened. A good reason why this likable, lively club soda deserves a place in your home. Yes? Go on, Mr. Cross. Well, that's all. I've finished what I wanted to say tonight. I was expecting you to talk at least 20 seconds more. Nothing left for me to do but fill in by asking you to identify a quotation. Go right ahead. All right, quote. There is nothing which has yet been contrived by man by which so much happiness is produced as by a good tavern or inn. End quote. That's from Boswell's Life of Johnson, and as true today as it was in Johnson's time, particularly since leading hotels, clubs, and restaurants please their guests by serving sparkling Canada dry water. Cross, you double-crossed me. I'll get back to my experts. They're more reliable. Uh, see what you can do with this one, gentlemen. This is from Mr. Garibaldi M. LaPolla of New York City, who wants you to identify the following famous generals. There are five of them, and you have to identify all of them. One, a general who lost nearly all his campaigns, but won the last battle and the war. There's only one possible answer, Mr. Wilcott. Washington. Washington is quite correct. Thank you, Mr. Wilcott. <coughs> Two, a general who won nearly all his campaigns, but lost his last battle and his power. Uh, Mr. Kieran. Napoleon. Napoleon. Very good, Mr. Kieran. I like the accent. <coughs> Three. Two opposing generals, each commanding his army, and both killed in the same battle. Mr. Kieran. Uh, Montcalm and Wolfe. At what battle? At the uh, Battle of Quebec. Yes, Battle of Quebec. That's quite right. Four. A general who trumpeted his way to victory. Mr. Kieran. Joshua. Joshua fit the Battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. That's right. Five and last, 
a general who won a battle after the Treaty of Peace had been signed. Mr. Kieran. General Jackson, the Battle of New Orleans. Oh, you know your American history cold, Mr. Kieran. Can't do a thing with you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience, what would you do if you were in my place? I can't seem to find a single question that can stump these experts this evening. You should look at them beaming. <laughs> the next question for Mrs. A.C. Eichelberger of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Name five works of literature whose titles contain articles used or worn by women. For example, The Bright Shawl by Joseph Hergesheimer would be one. Uh, Mr. Kieran. The Green Hat by Michael Arlen. Yes, The Green Hat by Michael Arlen is one. Mr. Levant. Lady Windermere's Fan. Lady Windermere's Fan by Oscar Wilde is two. That's quite right. Uh, Mr. Kieran. Under the Red Robe by uh, Stanley Shepter. Wyman. Wyman. Thank you, Mr. Wilcott. Thank you, Mr. Adams. Is Stanley J. Wyman. That's three. Mr. Adams. Goody Two-Shoes. <laughs> yes, it's a work of literature, a very good one. That's four. Very good. Uh, Mr. Levant. Petticoat Fever. Petticoat Fever. Who wrote it? It's an English play. I saw it in England. Before your time, you've never been abroad. No, no, never been abroad. <laughs> Take my word, English. All right, I'm sure that's quite. That's five. You might, there are several others. There's, uh... Petticoat Influence, too. Yes, or how about The Moon and Sixpence by, uh... <laughs> <laughs> A long time ago, it seems to me, there was a book written. It was a very famous book in its day by an Englishman named Houston Stewart Chamberlain. The book was called Foundations of the 19th Century. <laughs> well, there are some containing articles used or worn by women. Here's another question from Harold Jackson of Miami, Florida. These are questions about gases. Three questions about gases. One, what gas both kills and cures? I'm sorry, gentlemen. Well, wait a minute. All right, Mr. Kieran. <laughs> nitrogen. No, that's quite wrong. Chlorine. Chlorine is the answer. Well, nitrogen, too. We'll have to try it. I don't believe it's true. <laughs> don't believe it's true. What gas both knocks you out and wakes you up? What gas both knocks you out and wakes you up? That's personal. Uh, yes, but that's not a gas. Mr. Adams. Uh, nitrogen. You stick to nitrogen. What is this I nitrogen think that stuff is nitrogen. this evening? Chlorine. I, I believe that the, uh, <laughs> the proper answer, the proper answer would we be ammonia. Ammonia. The ammonia gas both knocks a, you out and wakes you up. There's nitrogen in ammonia. Ammonia is is, uh, is a compound. A compound. compound. Well, how about a compound gas? Gases can be compounds, can't they? Ammonia well, in Canada dries. A good combination. Thank you very much, Mr. <laughs> what can you do with this one? What gas both shuts you up and makes you talk? It's very useful on this program sometimes. Laughing. Laughing gas is right. That's another That's nitrous oxide. Yes, I know it is, Mr. Adams. All right. <laughs> Laughing gas is the uh, more common or popular term. I'll fight it out on this nitrogen if it takes all summer. <laughs> you come around next Tuesday and if talk it, nitrogen. If it takes me. all nitrogen. I think I'm going to have Canada dry. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Wilcox. I think I'm going to have Canada dry lose $10 on that. Going to Mr. Harold Jackson of Miami, Florida. Thank you very much. See what you can do with this one. This is from uh, M. Bauman of this city. A musical question. For what person or event was each of the following musical compositions composed? One. You have to get all on these. Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Mr. Levant. Paul Whiteman uh, commissioned for his first concert at Olean Hall. That's quite right. A-Olean Hall. Thank you very much. <laughs> you can't, it's hard to pronounce that uh, A-E. Some sometimes W and Y. <laughs> what can you do with this one? Uh, for what event was Verdi's Aida composed? Verdi's Aida. Oh, uh, uh, Mr. Levant. 
uh, I think, uh, Suez Canal. I don't know why. Did they open the Suez Canal with an opera? But I, I know he, right, he was commercial. Right. They did. They, opened they the usually Suez. open the season with it. <laughs> the Suez Canal. No, it was the Suez Canal. Quite right. It was at the request of Ismail Pasha. That's I want right. you to remember that, Mr. Levant. Had it not on the tip of my tongue. Yes, I know. <laughs> See what you can do with this one. Uh, what, uh, for what event was Elgar's Pomp and Circumstance composed, Mr. Levant? Uh, Edward, what was his name? The Edward before. Edward VII, the coronation. Yes, the coronation of Edward VII in 1901. It's been played practically without interruption ever since. The fourth question... Good for battleships, too. <laughs> Ravel's concerto for the left hand. Ravel's concerto for the left hand, Mr. Levant. Uh, pianist named, uh, an Austrian pianist. Wittgenstein, Victor Wittgenstein, yes. commissioned. He also commissioned Richard Strauss for a left-handed concert. But why did he, uh, why did he, uh, write that for Mr. Wittgenstein? He got money for it. Ravel got paid. No, but there was a specific, uh, <laughs> yes, that's right, Mr. Levant. Don't be so commercial. Uh, there was a specific reason why he should, uh, write a concerto for the left hand. Well, Mr. Wittgenstein lost his other hand in the war. That's right. He lost his arm in the war. Well, that's a little point that you might want to mention in order to make the question perfectly clear. But Ravel got paid. <laughs> you stick to that. You and Nitrogen and Ravel got paid. Strauss got paid, too. Erasmus Strauss. <laughs> well, that finishes Strauss, ladies and gentlemen. That's a guess. What can you do with this one? <laughs> Wagner's Siegfried Idol. Uh, Mr. Levant. Don't tell me Nitrogen. Uh, <laughs> he had a child named Siegfried, and on his first birthday, he surprised his wife, Cosima. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, Cosima. Uh, he had about 20-some musicians hanging around the staircase, and he woke her up with this piece. It's yes, quite but, beautiful. Uh, it wasn't uh, for the first birthday. Well, it, it wasn't was... before the kid was born. No, it was just it. at the time the kid was born. Yeah, I know. I, I try to figure that out. But yeah, I know. Well, you just take away one from that, and you're right. In honor of the birth of the son, Siegfried, that's five out of five. Pretty good, too. <laughs> hard to believe that these four gentlemen are really as intelligent as they sound. The next question from E. Kirby Newberger, past Christian, Mississippi. This is almost all of the last verse of a famous poem. I'm going to ask you to recite the first verse. Here is almost all of the last verse. There in the twilight, cold and gray, lifeless but beautiful he lay. Mr. Wilcott is crying. And from the sky, serene and far, a voice fell like a falling star. Give me the first verse of the famous poem of which that is part of the last verse. Uh, how about another line of that last Not verse? a bit no? more, well, Mr. Uh, Kira. Not a penny more. Just give us that Do it again. No, again. Sir. No. Well, uh... You should have been listening. Mr. Kieran? Sounds to me like a youth there was. Bruce I don't Miller. know anything about it. Oh. Let, me have the, let me have the line. Well, the answer is... This is the forest. No, 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 Mr. Wilcox. Well, wait, I know you like the poem. But... Wait, if we have to guess, if you're going to shut us yep. off, let's have a guess. Go ahead, have a guess, guess Mr. <laughs> Will you boys decide which of you... Staggity, the drunk is filled. No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is, the shades of night were falling fast as through an alpine village past the youth who bore mid snow and ice a banner with That's the strange device Excelsior. You said something about a boy or a youth. Then he used That's to right. bore him in snow and ice. Didn't hear you All say right, it. All right, I give, yes, he give him the ten dollars. Did he really what say do I can? snow and ice? <laughs> he said that, but that's not the first line. You no, know, have to get the whole four lines, Mr. Kieran. It was a nice try, though. Canada Dry then is low has its income lowered by ten dollars, going to E. Kirby Newberger of Past Christmas. That means that we have a loss to date of twenty dollars. 
And believe me, it took some doing to get that $20 out of Canada Dry this evening. These boys were too good. Now, in a moment, I'll give you the lineup for next week. But in the meantime, I think Mr. Milton Cross has a word to say to us. I know Mr. Fadiman will agree that there is a certain almost fiendish joy in being able to stump an expert. And since no home is complete without an expert, you'll enjoy playing the information please game. Now, the directions for obtaining this game are very simple. Remove or tear off the large labels from two bottles of any of Canada Dry's many beverages. These labels are only glued on both sides, so it's simple to tear off enough of each label for easy identification. Then mail your labels with 10 cents to cover the cost of postage and handling to Canada Drive, 1 Pershing Square, New York. If you live in Canada, the address is Canada Drive, Toronto, Canada. The problem of what to do with your guests is always difficult. But the information please game will solve it for you. For here are enough questions for four complete programs of information please. So send your labels and 10 cents tonight. And may I remind you, don't forget to include your own name and address. Thank you very much, Mr. Milton Cross. And now, if I may, let me announce our board for next week at the same time. I know everybody will be glad to know that Mr. John Kieran and Mr. Franklin P. Adams will be back again at the old stand. And as our guests with honor, we announce the return engagement of the celebrated educator, historian, radio commentator, Mr. Hendrick Willem Van Loon. Plus, and this is our fourth member, the quartet, that famous abuser of the King's English, author of, uh, what is that book, I'm a Stranger Here Myself, a beautiful book of wise and witty rhymes. I'm referring to Mr. Ogden Nash. And now remember that letters with questions are to be addressed to Information Please, Canada Drive, 1 Pershing Square, New York City. Canada Dry Ginger Ale, Sparkling Water, Lime Ricky, and Tom Collins Mixer come in convenient size bottles for every occasion. These exceptionally fine beverages are kind to your budget, too, for the largest bottle, the family size, costs only 15 cents plus usual deposit. And now we bid you all good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company.